Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Good morning. Have you ever had one of those starts to your days that you think, oh boy, it's got to get better? That's been one of my mornings, just so you know. I, uh, uh, you know, I was uh, in the Philippines for the last two weeks uh, doing some mission work, which at some point in time, we just got to share with you what God is doing there and using North Shore is nothing short of incredible. It's just beautiful what's happening there. Um, but uh, I'm still on Filipino time right now, so it's like um, sitting there in the middle of the night, just wide awake, feels like it's two in the afternoon. Um, and then right before I got up here, um, my glasses broke. You ever, are you glasses wearers? You ever had that happen? So if, I'm not trying to be trendy and cool. These are my wife's glasses, just so you know. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, so uh, it's got to get better, you know. So it is, uh, it's good to be back. Uh, super excited. Uh, love, love the Pacific Northwest in the fall. I mean, just pristine, right? I don't know how, how else you describe it. Um, you know, we're in our series, Welcome to North Shore. And what we're doing in this series is we are introducing a lot of new faces here, you know, over the last few years. And we just want to introduce you to, to North Shore and, and welcome you. So understand a little bit of uh, what we're about, you know, but also reintroduce you, you know, over the course of a while, there's been a lot of change, you know, and some of it remains the same and steadfast. Some of it's a bit different. So just a chance to, to kind of verbalize and say, oh, yeah, uh, that's the church I love. That's my, my church family. And so I really pray and hope uh, that you are enjoying the series of just, okay, good. So, you know, sometimes the sermons are f- kind of factual and stuff, and maybe not zippy and exciting, but sometimes that's a, a, a necessity of just giving the information. Uh, where this culminates for us is in November 12th, we're going to have a celebration of membership, an opportunity if you are not a member and want to become one, uh, to come um, and celebrate and, you know, uh, kind of sign that up and say, yep, uh, this is my church family. I'm with you, right? Uh, if you're a member to come and just celebrate, yeah, I'm with you. I've been with you a lot longer than you've been here, kid, right? <laughs> Over here. <laughs> and uh, we're going to celebrate that together as we just continue to step into the future of bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to this region and to the world, right? Uh, so November 12th. And if that doesn't inspire you at all, we're going to have pie there too, okay? <laughs> right? So we're going to eat some pie and enjoy that. Um, as we step into today's message, we're going to start with some, some family business. We're family. So I'm going to invite to the stage uh, Ryan, uh, Johanna, and Dante. You guys come on up. Make some space here. All right, you can right up here. Morning. <laughs> All right. Oh, you got a mic. Wow, hey, you got multiple mics. Uh, that's good. We are ready. Um, is this. So uh, part of family um, is uh, change and growth and opportunities, listening to God. And, you know, Ryan is uh, our middle school pastor. Um, and if you don't know, Ryan was a park ranger. Would that be the right, Kate, uh, down at Muckle Teal? Um, so if you got tickets, I'd assume it's your fault down there in parking, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's been redeemed, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Ryan came on board and worked uh, uh, with Tyler in our middle school, uh, worked with our academy, and has done an amazing job. Uh, but, you know, the Lord 
spoke to him. And I, and I knew when I uh, first met Ryan, he started attending here, and we, we met, that God just had a, a heart for learning the scriptures in a deeper way. And seminary was kind of uh, there. And so anyway, so he is answering a call to go to seminary. So he's going to be departing our middle school. So I just give him a chance to say something and us a chance just to thank him for his faithfulness to our students here at the church and the academy. Right? Uh. All right. Morning, church. Um, yeah, so I, when I first moved up here, it was April 2020. It was the, kind of in the thick of covid and I was looking for a church, and I found this church online, and um, I was attracted to it um, mostly because it was connected to a school. And working with kids, uh, I thought, hey, there's, there's a great opportunity to get involved here. Um, I didn't know what um, it would look like, um, but I just remember driving here and doing that little roundabout loop and, and looking at everything and just kind of being amazed at the campus and everything. And uh, for whatever reason, God called me to this place. Um, and, you know, as I was here and as I was slowly getting involved and, you know, in the beginning, there was only a certain amount of people who could come and then, you know, more people could come. And, and, um, and so I, I just remember thinking, um, God, I, I want to I do so much more. I want to, uh, I so much want to serve you in, in more ways than I have been. And, I thought the natural progression of that was seminary, and then you go and you serve. Um, and so that was kind of what was on my mind. Um, and, and then when the opportunity came to step into this position, um, I just remember feeling like, like Peter, like sitting on the boat and just being terrified at these waves that I see all around me. Because I'm like, you know, if you knew me, you knew I'm an introverted person um, before this. Um, just serving as a greeter was like the biggest leap of faith that I would stand in front of a door and say hi to people. Um, so just giving you a little like idea of the personality that I had, um, that the idea of coming into a position where I'm going to be on stage and be the center of attention and all these things was the most terrifying thing I could possibly think of. And yet I was like, man, the door is so wide open. I have to, I have to step in. And and it felt like I, I got out and I just sunk. And it was, you know, you, you think, oh, it's cool. You, you know, you, you get a job where you can teach the Bible something that you love to do. Um, but, man, the, the enemy likes to attack you when you're, when you're stepping out in faith. And it was, it was so challenging. And yet there are so many people here where I kind of express that. And, you know, they're just like, oh, we're, we're praying for you, man. We're, 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 we're on your side. And, and it was just so encouraging. And, um, and, and as I've been here, um, it's just amazing to see how when you step into something that feels absolutely overwhelming, how God uses that to change your perspective. And now, you know, just, it just was just small things where, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and, and they need ushers and they just come up to me like, Hey, can you usher? And without even, without even a beat, it's just like, yeah, that's, yeah, I can walk up and pass out buckets. Like, I can serve communion. Um, before that, that was the most terrifying thing to think about was doing that thing. And now, just, just with that, just change of perspective, God has kind of opened my eyes to what else can he do. Um, and, um, and now kind of seeing the people that are coming in, I, I'm 
almost affirm that this was the right decision, just seeing their perspectives and, and the new um, things that they're going to bring. So I'm really excited for what they're going to do with the middle school. And um, yeah, and I'm heading off to seminary and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, exci I'm excited to see what God does. And I might be back here in three years. We'll see. So thank you. Good. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Could you ever imagine yourself standing up here and talking? I was just so, so, so proud of you. And uh, told Ryan, you know, just being in seminary, one of the, um, not the best scenarios is when you know, you're in seminary and there's somebody who has never been in ministry sitting there, right? They have no idea what they are faced with. And seminary does not prepare you for the ministry, just so you know. You know, it helps you, you know, a doctor and understand that, but it doesn't prepare you for the things you're going to do. So the fact that you get to go into that with this experience, I mean, I think you're just going to be so glad and happy of how the Lord unfolded it for you. Um, so uh, as he heads off and his transition, we'll pray for him. We have another transition um, for our middle school. Um, and Johanna Enns and Dante Lowe will be stepping in as student leadership interns under Tyler for our middle school. So they will be grabbing the reins this weekend. So super excited about you guys. And there will be a day you'll be up here just talking away too, right? Um, but anyway, so excited about you guys. And so uh, they're doing amazing, been working hard of getting ready. And so super excited for you too as well. Do you guys mind us jumping here? I'm just going to pray for you. Church, would you stand with me? Uh, let's just pray for these uh, young people. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we love you. Uh, so grateful uh, for your work in all of our lives. But the older I get, the more I appreciate your work in these young lives. And those that are uh, blazing a trail that sometimes feels like it's grown over uh, of the faith in our society and culture. And so um, it, it brings us to a place we're hopeful. So I am thankful for Ryan, all that he's done. He has been faithful. Uh, he's been effective. Um, and I know that you are just uh, paving the way for him in his future ministry. So I just pray you be with him in all the transitions that it represents of going to seminary, moving away to do that, uh, and just bless him. Uh, and Father, from behind him, you know, um, uh, of the great path that he set, uh, Dante and Johanna, I pray for both of them as they step in and uh, begin to experience uh, ministry and do in different ways. Uh, I know that you've called them, that you are equipping them, and uh, that they're going to do amazing as well. And so just so grateful for them as well and your perfect timing. And so I pray blessings over all of them, over um, our church and our ministries. And we just pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I'll get this from you later, okay? Yeah. All righty. Okay, well, let's do this. Um, uh, are we ready for Bibles by any chance out there? I know I'm chatting a little bit. Well, uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get a Bible to you. Um, and in that, we'll be in a, a few different places. But turn to Matthew first. Um, and if you don't mind flipping, I'll have you go to Matthew 28. And then I'll have you flip back to Matthew 3 in a bit. Uh, so if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Um, and so uh, continuing our series, Welcome to North Shore. And what we're talking about um, now is ordinances of the church. Uh, last week, Tyler did a great job and, and, and talked about the church. And really one of the um, duties of the church 
is to help people spiritually mature, to spiritually grow. And what we've been given is things that we call ordinances as, I would say, markers for spiritual maturity and spiritual growth in a church. Now, ordinances, that word, uh, it means a command. Uh, It is something, as we evaluate what is an ordinance, something that Jesus instituted or he commanded. It's something that the apostles taught or practiced, and then we saw the church take it uh, and put it into their practice. And so in those ordinances, um, you know, historically, North Shore lines up with the two primaries. If you have other denominational background, uh, there may be other order, uh, ordinances, uh, Christmas, uh, ordinances uh, uh, or you may even heard them called sacraments, okay? Uh, and, uh, but the two main ones are baptism and the Lord's Supper. And that's what North Shore adheres, and we call them our ordinances. And again, they are these markers of our spiritual growth and how we are doing in that. Okay, so we're going to look at both of those. Um, so uh, the message is going to be a little bit you know, uh, informational. So uh, hang with me if you don't mind. And so as we look at the first ordinance, baptism. Okay, baptism uh, was commanded by Jesus in Matthew 28, 19. Okay, um, and we're going to see baptism, um, again, is, is commanded by Jesus when he says this. Um, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, a few weeks back, you know, I uh, gave a message on discipleship. And I used this very scripture, and we looked at it, the the grammar and the breakdown, that this is an imperative command. Uh, Go make disciples, right? It's a command. And in that, the participle um, is how are we going to make disciples? There's two elements. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, all that Jesus has commanded. And I'll be with you till the end of the age. So we see um, part of discipleship, which is spiritually maturing and growing, right, uh, is baptism. It is commanded by Jesus. This is part of it. So we talk about baptism. It, it's, it's not an option, right? Now, people work through the timing differently, but every follower of Jesus is called to be baptized, Now, it's interesting, um, as a New Testament reader, as baptism seems to just jump on the scene all of a sudden. Because you look back in the Old Testament, right? No one's talking about baptism, at least not apparently. But the reality is, when Jesus commands them to be baptized, this is not new to them. Um, There was a practice in in place uh, that, is a baptism, but it, it, had, it went by a Jewish word and a Jewish practice called mikvah. Mikvah. And what a mikvah is, and I think got a couple pictures you see there, um, kind of an old one there. See, it's a, it's a pool. Uh, there's a new one. It's uh, still practiced today. And the Hebrew word mikvah actually has two meanings. 
okay, um, that go uh, with the practice of the mikvah. Uh, it means a, a gathering of water uh, and specifically natural water, right? Um, and so two or four immersion, okay? So, uh, it, and it represents cleansing. Mikvah also uh, means hope. And so uh, it's hope about a new beginning or a future, a new start. And so the mikvah practice is used for both of those. And where we see it come on the scene is right around the second temple um, after uh, the Israelites were released from captivity came back and rebuilt the temple, remember, and the wall, Nehemiah, that time, end of the Old Testament, um, really all the way through Jesus' time, uh, the mikveh used, even to today, that's why I put the new one, is it's modern, it's there today as well, uh, and a practice. And so uh, this mikveh, the, this hope, uh, this um, living water, this cleansing, element is uh, what they use uh, in Leviticus uh, and all the impurity in their uh, ceremonies. When you converted to Judaism, Judaism, excuse me, um, what you do after conversion, before you stepped into it, part of it, uh, you would be immersed in a mikvah. You'd have to be ceremonial, ritually, uh, ritually cleansed. Uh, before entering the temple, right? You had to go and take a mikvah. And the practice of that is you'd go down and what they generally do, no clothes, go and you get fully immersed, right? You come up and you recite a Hebrew prayer and you go under again, come up, uh, recite a Hebrew prayer and go down a third time and come up. Many of you may have seen even Christian baptisms where they baptize people three times. You know why? because they're following this model. We don't necessarily do that. We don't see anywhere that the number of times is significant, but it's what they did, right? And so you would take a mikvah, you know, um, before any new thing that you would begin, a new ministry, right? A new season in life. It's interesting, even with utensils, um, they would take them into a mikvah before they begin to use them uh, in any sort of uh, ceremony. Uh, today, uh, before a wedding, um, before graduation from school, a Jewish person will go and do a mikvah. Um, there are laws around our bodies, right? And uh, things that would be you know, impure for cleansing. You know, so both men and women would have seasons in their life and, and, and cycles that they would come in and do a mikvah after, uh, in a sense, for uh, ceremonial, ceremonial cleansing. And what it was is a symbolism that God is the cleanser. So the, they, they knew it wasn't the water that's doing it, right? It wasn't even the practice of it. It was a faith on who they knew uh, cleansed them and made them right and holy for where they're going. Who gave them hope, right? So we see that in the Old Testament. Then we get the command in Matthew 28. But what we see is it used in the New Testament, right? And then in Matthew chapter 3, I had you go there. Um, 
what you see is John the Baptist, right? Not John the elder. John the Baptist shows up on the scene. And what is he doing? He's baptizing people, right? And the Greek word um, is baptismos, right? And so what it means is immersion and uh, baptismos came from a dyeing process of taking a dye, grabbing a cloth, and immersing it in this dye uh, completely. And so when it came out, it was all new, right? And so it's really uh, from mikvah to baptismo, but it really is the same idea and practice still going on. And John came, and he was baptizing people, um, and he was baptizing people in a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Why? To make a way for the Lord, Isaiah tells us. So what he's doing is he's preparing them, right? There's hope coming. There's hope coming. You're going to have to repent. You're going to have to change. Uh, sin is the issue. Um, but there's hope coming. So you need cleansing uh, and there's hope. And so I'm going to baptize you, and we're going to have our eyes waiting. Waiting for who? Right? Jesus. And we see Jesus himself follow in obedience, and he was baptized. In Matthew 3, and I want to read that, that text to you is Jesus' baptism. I think it's a verse 17, right? Yeah, uh, 13 through 17. And this is Jesus. So John's baptizing. People are coming from the city and they're watching this. And, um, and he's, uh, you know, this is John. Read that first part of Matthew 3. He's kind of a crazy man, um, uh, mountain man, but he's, he's calling them out, right? Uh, and so he's baptizing the people and all of a sudden Jesus comes and enters the water. Um, and in here, Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So what's taking place here uh, is incredible. Jesus comes and John doesn't want to do it. Would you? you know, I, I agree with John, like I'm not worthy. He, he understands who he is. Um, Jesus says, no, we need to fulfill all righteousness. God commanded us, right, to be ritually and ceremoniously cleansed through mikvah, right, through baptismo, because uh, Jesus was starting his earthly ministry, his rabbinic ministry. He would go out and begin to make disciples, make disciples, and then go to the cross on our behalf, and so new beginnings, stepping into your ministry, what is the command? Is to be baptized, right? And this is what Jesus, I have to, I'm going to obey God. And what does the Father say to him? 
you know, says to all of us, says in a loud voice, I'm assuming everyone heard that, one of those like stopping your tracks moment. You see the full trinity together and on display. It's actually a very beautiful, powerful scene uh, of, of the trinity there. You see the father speak, this is my beloved son, this is my son uh, who I love and I'm well pleased. Why does he say that? God loves obedience. Why? It's not because he's a control freak, because he knows the blessings on the other side. He understands who he is. We say yes to him. He understands the blessings on that. So it pleases him like, yes, good. You know, parents, right? Tell your kids, eat your vegetables. You're very pleased when they do. Why? Not because you're just this monster and you want to control them. You want them to be healthy and whole, right? And so you're happy for them. Like, yes, I'm glad they obeyed, you know? When they, so same thing, the father saying, man, look at him, he's obeying me. Yes, uh, pleased with that. It's a model to all of us, right? You know, if Jesus would do it, why in the world would not, we not? You see the Holy Spirit come uh, like a dove. I just love that gentle element and came and rested on him. And we see the Holy Spirit, you know, involved in the ministry um, in one of those really dynamic, you know, kind of doctrinal conversations about, you know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit because um, the Trinity, right? Uh, Jesus' Spirit. But, but you see them all three, the Son, the Spirit, and the Father. Uh, and they're all at work in conversion, in our growth. Right? And it's, we're called to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Because they're all active in our journey. And so uh, we see that the apostles um, practiced it. Jesus practiced it. Uh, so the last criteria, uh, did the church obey it? The answer is yes. Um, you go to Acts chapter 2, right? Um, the Holy Spirit comes, right, down. Uh, and really it's the birth of the church. And in that incredible uh, commotion of the Holy Spirit coming, the gospel being preached in, in, in the various tongues, um, and Peter stands up and gives this powerful message. And in that message, in a, and it happened on the, the southern steps in, um, at the temple, gives this powerful message about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they ask in Acts 2, verse 37 and 38, they say this to him. They say they were cut to the heart. Man, this message went deep about this Jesus that loved them and died for them. What do we do, right? He says this, repent and be baptized. Repent means turn from your sin and turn towards your Savior for the forgiveness of your sin. Become a follower of Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And then what? And then be baptized. And it's cool if you've ever been there, right, on these southern steps where this took place. Uh, I remember I was there uh, sitting and uh, uh, listening. In fact, I was just, it was Jen Hatlow giving a message there. And I'm looking out over her as she's speaking to us. And guess what's all around? Mikvahs. Pools for cleansing. 
So you see thousands of people got saved that day. You're thinking, uh, and baptized, well, where? There's mikvahs all over because that was the entry into the temple, right? And so uh, baptism was always part of his plan. And so for us, as we look at baptism, what's it mean to us, right? And I want to read from Romans 6 to you. Romans 6, 3 and 4 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So what happens is baptism uh, is uh, our union with Christ's death. He died for our sins. And his water represents a, a cleansing, but also a grave, down. He died uh, for our sins so that we can die to sin. It has no power over us anymore. Right? We are free from it. And it's a union with his resurrection, right? So after this cleansing, what happens is just as Christ, by the glory of God, was raised, it's a resurrection, uh, victory over death to life, so we are raised, right? to walk in newness of life, the resurrected life that we get to do. So you see the mikvah, the cleansing, the new hope, the new start. This is what baptism, and what it's doing is it's symbolizing something that's already taken place in your heart and your life, that you're already a follower of Jesus, right? It is a testimony and a witness to what is. And what Jesus wants us to do is he commands us, I want you to come follow me as your Lord and Savior. And then I want you to be baptized to share with the world as a witness so they might know. So that's our next step, right? And in, 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 uh, we have two next steps. So I've got a whole other section here. So uh, is this for baptism. Get saved. Accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And then what? Get baptized. When? As soon as you can. Get used to saying yes to Jesus when he calls. Two reasons why uh, people don't get baptized. One is they don't believe in Jesus, Lord and Savior. Okay, understandable. The second one is they're too nervous to get in front of people. And the older you get, the more embarrassed you get. Like, oh, hey, I've been in church for 20 years. Uh, I just never did it. But guess what? Do it. Right? Do it. I I'm going to guarantee you no one's going to look down on you. Right? Get baptized. You know, bear witness to what's taking place in your life. It's a command of Jesus. Second ordinance is what we call the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. And, and what this is, is it's a command in remembrance of his sacrifice. And I'm going to read in Luke chapter 22, and you feel free to flip over there if you want. Luke 22, uh, verses 19 and 20. Uh, we look at the Lord's Supper, the remembrance of his sacrifice. Here's Jesus, his command to remember. It says, and he took bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. 
So what's happening here is Jesus is in the upper room during Passover, would be his last Passover, but it's the annual Passover celebration. And they do a Passover meal and he's with his disciples and he's gonna make a command. I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And he begins to share elements and give these elements. Uh, I would say new meaning. I was actually trying to figure out what word I wanted to use here. Um, but really to answer the foreshadowing that some of these represented in the Passover meal. And he used three elements in this command. Uh, he used the meal itself, Passover. Right? Passover, what they were celebrating is when God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. And that last night he said he's gonna come in and exact judgment over Pharaoh. And he told them to slaughter a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost, right? And I will pass over you. And he did that. And then he led them through Moses out of Egypt, uh, uh, through the wilderness time, but ultimately to the promised land, right? So all Israel, Jews today, Passover is their most significant time of remembering what God did, that he came and rescued them. He restored them as a people and as a community, right? And so Jesus used this idea of rescue, this idea of freedom, to tell them that the answer has come, the ultimate answer. And he goes on to use other elements in this meal. He takes the bread, says he breaks it, said, this is my body. And what he's making reference to there is that this body uh, is going to be the sacrifice for you. There is a penalty for sin and the sin that they and all of us are in, and I'm gonna pay the ransom with my body. It is given to you. Just take this, this is my body, it's given to you. Then he takes the cup, the same way, the other element. And he says, this cup is the new covenant of his blood for the forgiveness of sins. So this cup, this, this wine, this juice um, represents this new covenant in his blood. And what is the new covenant? We have to have a basic understanding of the old to understand the new. See, sin was always an issue after the fall in the garden. And so what happened was um, sin needed to be dealt with because we worship and want to be in relationship with a holy and pure God. No sin can be around him. So we cannot be in fellowship with him with sin. So sin has to be the word atoned for. And so this is where the whole sacrifice system in the Old Testament, Jewish custom comes in, right? A lamb was slaughtered um, for their sins, right? This bloodshed, unblemished lamb. And so because, uh, and they did that daily and other festivals uh, annually, but daily. And that blood spilled, because blood represents life, right? And new life. 
So the blood came in and gave new life uh, for the forgiveness of sin because sin equals death. Jesus is life in his blood, freedom. And this is the new covenant. Hebrews 7 tells us that they did it daily. Jesus' sacrifice of his body, the shedding of his blood was once and for all. No more would it be daily. It's done. His words, it is finished. It's done. So Jesus used these elements of this meal, this rescue, uh, this this, uh, bread as his body as the ransom, the price to pay, the the power of his blood, his redeeming life-giving blood for the forgiveness of our sin. He says, now remember these things. Now the question is, how often, like what, what do we do? How do we do that? So the biggest question is, you know, what's the frequency of it, right? Uh, many of you have every membership class we do, we always ask people, what is your experience with the Lord's Supper? How often do you take it? I've heard annually, right? Uh, I've heard daily, right? Here at North Shore Weekly. Um, uh, here's the truth, right? There is no slam dunk scripture of how often you take it, okay? What we see in scripture, what the apostles are practicing, we see right when, after they're baptized in Acts 2, 42, um, and the church starts forming and they're meeting in houses, it says they are breaking bread together. And the breaking of bread in your text, anytime you see the breaking of bread, it's making reference to the Lord's Supper or what we call communion, Okay? So they're they're doing communion in their homes. In Acts 20, we see that they are getting together the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. It's when we worship here, right? Um, Sunday, uh, to break bread together for the breaking of bread. So they see it weekly. So we land on that. That's kind of saying we're going to do it weekly because that's what we see, what we'd see the clearest. But boy, you can go... um, in uh, Acts uh, 4, uh, no, 2, uh, 26, I think it is, or 46, 46, that's <laughs> my memory, uh, is this, is um, uh, some scholars believe what it's talking about there is doing it house to house day by day, right? Others think, no, that's just talking about a meal. And, yeah, and I get it. But I love what 1 Corinthians 11 says. It says, as often as you eat, as often as you drink of this cup, you will proclaim my death until I return. In a sense, as often, I don't think there's a stipulation of how little, too much, but this is something that's supposed to be part of our rhythm. We're commanded because what it is, it's to be the central part of our worship. It's supposed to be the central part of our worship because it is reflecting of our why and our who. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. And everything launches from that. Everything spins around that. Everything is because of that for us. So as we center around this worship in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 11, um, what we look at is we're called to examine ourselves, right? What manner are we supposed to take this? Uh, People say, you know, when I, because I was once a month before I got here, right? Like, well, that's a lot. Right? What if we don't take it serious enough? Now, I've learned my answer. You want to hear my answer? 
I just say this. And they say, what if we don't take it seriously? What if, it, what if we, it just becomes routine? I'd say, well, don't make it that. That's your choice. Right? Don't make it that. When we do the Lord's Supper here, you stop. Slam the brakes on. And there's that everything we're going to do in this day right here, everything you're going to do this day and forever spins around his death and his resurrection. Don't make it routine. Discipline yourself, right? Is that fair enough for you to put the onus on? Me too, me too, right? For saying, no, let's don't make it routine. Uh, he says in that, so I want you to examine yourself to not, so you don't take it in an unworthy manner. And really that examination can be brought back to it, the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? And your mind and your strength and love your neighbor like yourself, right? Uh, so the examination is, how's your relationship with God? Do you love him, right? And here in communion, it's okay not to take one time to say, no, I need to get that right. Or use communion to get it right. So I need to tune in. But the overflow and why the great commandment has, you know, not one but two given is because they're, they're linked. Is if we're in love with God, we will overflow and we will love other people. So how is your relationship with other people? And if those things are not right, he says, don't take. Get that right. Let this gospel do its work in you. And then come back. So you want to take the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to take communion right now. Okay. The next service, uh, what we're going to do at this very point in the service is we're going to have, there's two people being baptized in the next service. So they're in, and you'll see uh, um, pictures of it next week, and we'll celebrate together. Um, But we're going to do it. Let's just get real. Let's get practical, right? And so we'll baptize people. um, We'll follow his command, right? And we're going to do the Lord's Supper, and we're going to do it in a worthy manner. I asked Josh if he would... um, lead that for us. Um, so he's going to come and he's going to lead that for us. And I just invite you in to where God, you know, what he's laid on his heart for that. And it starts with this, right? Same thing. Uh, communion is for believers. It doesn't make any sense if you're not a believer, right? So it starts with receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, saying yes to him. And then once you receive him by faith and accept the forgiveness of your sin and the new life that he gives, the Lord's Supper becomes a great marker. How am I doing? How am I doing with you, God, with other people? Am I spiritually growing? Am I maturing? You know, so if you don't know Lord Jesus Christ, this may be the time to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Just invite him by faith to come in. Save me, forgive me of my sins. And then step into communion with us. Josh, will you take us there?